Welcome to Harvest Amarillo Podcast. We're excited you have chosen to listen in today. May God encourage you through this message to live a life of value, of fullness, and fruitfulness for His kingdom. We jump into this sermon series called This Is Us. This is the love month. This is February. This is when we get excited about uh, who we're married to or who we're pursuing in life or all the, all the fun things. Y'all had Valentine's this week. We all had Valentine's this week. And hopefully you had a wonderful Valentine Day. For the most part, I think most of us can say, yes, we did. But then there's that little part that says, you know what? My Valentine didn't live up to what I expected. My expectations were much higher than what they provided or produced. Years ago when I was in the military, I, I, I didn't really have a Valentine per se, so I used to send uh, my sisters roses and uh, for Valentine's, just on Valentine's Day, wherever I was stationed, whatever I was doing, I would just, I, I had two sisters, or I have two sisters, right, and I would send them um, flowers for Valentine's Day, and the first year that uh, I was out and actually dating Allison, I showed up at my mom's office, and my sisters had their flowers, and as embarrassing as this sounds, oh, we were married? <laughs> hey, it's been a long time ago. We can't focus, that's what today's lesson is, is we cannot focus on the 20%, we've got to focus on the 80, okay? And, and so we were married, our first, first year of marriage, so let's make sure I get this story right, first year of marriage, and so uh, my sisters received what they got every year from me, and mom said, what did you get for Allison? And I went, oh yeah, I got another one. So they took flowers out of theirs and made her one. The true story, and I took it and said, Happy Valentine's Day, right? Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> it's not a good way to start off your marriage, your dating life, or anything else. But had she focused on that 20% of the time, we would be in trouble. And today's message is actually that, the 80-20 rule is where we're going today. So we've covered we are different, and we've got to honor our differences. We did that in the first week. week the second week, last week, we talked about uh, the Hollywood effect versus the Holy Word effect. Right? And then this week, as we jump in, it's the 80-20 rule. I wanted to use the scripture, Ecclesiastes 10.1. This is Solomon speaking here. He says, dead flies make a perfume's oil stink. I bet you, I bet you hadn't memorized that one in life. Here's you a good, good memor- scripture for memorization. You ready? Ecclesiastes 10.1, dead flies makes a perfume oil stink. Dead flies. If you have dead flies in your perfume, eventually it's going to smell. And in an oil flask this big, one little thing in there can smell the whole thing up. This is what Solomon's saying. So it's important for us to pay attention to things that, that truly can poison what God intended to use for good can poison it for bad. If we, especially if we just focus on that. And so Ruth Graham said it this way. She said, if we agreed on everything, one of us is unnecessary. And you probably have not always agreed with your spouse. Jesus stated in this life, you will have trouble. But Paul added to this and he said, if you marry, you will have trouble times two. And he didn't say it exactly that way. Okay, I'm just paraphrasing. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 28. But if you decide to marry, you have not sinned. Well, that's good news. 
All right, marriage is the basic unit of the church. We covered that the first week. And if a girl who is never married decides to marry, she has not sinned. But those who marry will have trouble in this life, and I want you to be free from trouble. That's interesting to me because Paul is saying that, that he wants us to be free from trouble. He wants us to, 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 to be able to have God's ministry in mind at all times. And if you marry the right spouse, right, if you are equally yoked, if you both have a pursuit in Christ Jesus and of Christ Jesus, then here's the cool thing. You will still have trouble, but you will have an answer to your troubles. That's how it works. So the troubles that Paul speak about here, he's speaking about here in 1 Corinthians, there are obviously many, but let me give you just a few. If you're not married, you don't argue with your spouse because you don't have one. Okay? But there's no doubt when the two come together, there's going to be some arguments. Budgeting sometimes becomes a major factor in marriage. Oh, here's one. Holiday planning. One of the first couples that I had the opportunity to visit with about marital differences and problems were actually a blended family who came to me and said, after the first set of holidays, uh, said, you know, Pastor Curtis, we can't do this. We fought and we fought and we fought some more because she always wants to be with her parents. I didn't realize that Christmas Day we were going to be with her, with her parents. Christmas Eve we were going to be with her parents. And then at the same time, I was able to get New Year's Day. But then New Year's Day afternoon, I had to go and be with her parents again. And my in-laws are becoming outlaws. And this is not going to work. I said, we better sit down, have some prayer, and let's schedule out. Let's plan for next year's holidays today. See, Paul understands that coming together is not easy. It's not easy. Eventually, you become parents. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. And parenting brings all new types of struggles upon us. The Apostle Paul knows this. See, before marriage, she's the life of the party. I love listening to her talk. After marriage, she won't hush up. Before marriage, he's so thoughtful and thinks things through. He gives me the most pretty flowers. He's just a great guy. After marriage, this man never talks to me. Before marriage, he's such a hard worker. After marriage, he's a workaholic. I don't ever see him. See, opposites attract, but opposites also attack. And if you focus on the attack, your marriage is going to come into difficult circumstances and situations. In context, he's talking about a husband and a wife who have a basic desire to please one another, but there will be troubles. And with a broad stroke, Paul is saying you're married to a good-willed person, but if, you're, if you, it, but if you marry, you're going to have trouble. If you're single and you desire to get married, there will be trouble. If you're divorced and desire to get married, hey, there's still going to be trouble. If you're currently married, you already know this. There's trouble, right? And it knocks on the door. 1 Corinthians 7, 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. 
And this is talking about intimacy between a husband and a wife. Now, don't, don't get nervous. All right, we can talk about these things here in church. The, the problem today is that the church does not address the issues of the world it's attempting to serve. That's, that's a major problem. We have a lot to say about intimacy. We have a lot to say about what love really is and the parameters and the borders and the boundaries that come with love. Oftentimes, we just let the culture define what love is and what marriage should look like. So let's talk about intimacy between a husband and a wife. This text is saying when it comes to intimacy, they should both have an equal say. So on Tuesday night, he comes home, and he simply says this, uh, uh, hey, you know, I've been gone all week for work, and I'm finally home. I follow Jesus. I trust Jesus. But wife, you look really good to me tonight. And the wife has had a long day, and she's a good woman. She's a God-fearing woman who loves Jesus and makes great sacrifices during his absence for the kids. And she says, how about tomorrow night? And every husband knows that the great theologian Garth Brooks was right. Tomorrow never comes. There is no doubt. And so we start pulling up Scripture, but the Scripture says that you do not have authority over your own body. I do. And I'm going to have to pull the trump card on that today. Now, who's right? Who's right? If the husband has authority over his wife's body and the wife has authority over the husband's body, then really who's right? Let me say this. Both are. Men, especially young men, when you get married, I know what it's like. Man, it, it, freedom. And you have this, this wife who's the most beautiful, gorgeous thing that God has given you. And so every moment, every hour, you're thinking, wow, um, can I go home at, at lunch today? Can we meet at home at lunch today and for lunch today? Let's have a sandwich together. But you may have a little something else on your mind. Now, now, man, let me, let me help you with a couple of things. And, and we really, I wish I had time because this is a lot of fun to, to study and to unpack, even, even biblically to talk about these things because, um, it, it's natural. It happens, especially when you're young. And she's thinking, Oh, good. I get to meet my husband for, for lunch and we're just going to have the best time. And maybe we'll have a little prayer time before we eat. We can talk about the day and I can tell them about all the kids at school that I talked to today and what's going on in their lives and how many were absent because of sickness and all of these things we're going to get to unpack. And he's thinking, I got one thing. Now, women, that's, that's very natural for a young man. Now, men, as you get older, just know. And women, here, there's hope for your future. Because as we get older, it's not what it once was. I, 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 can, I, I can even tell you a funny story in my own life. I was going home one day for lunch to eat with my beautiful wife. And, and a man called me and they had just opened a hamburger place in Lubbock. 
And by this time, I'm late 30s. As a matter of fact, it was Blue Sky. The Blue Sky had just opened in Lubbock, and he said, hey, you want to go to Blue Sky? I heard they got the best green chili cheeseburger. Now, for the first time in my life, I was going at home at lunch or a green chili cheeseburger. (laughs) Now, used to, that's not a decision that is hard for me to make. But as I've become older, a green chili cheeseburger has a lot of temptation in this man's heart. I have to quote 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken me, but that which is common to man, and God is faithful and will not let me be tempted beyond what I am able to endure. And yet during that temptation, it tasted so good. And I think Allison was relieved. Praise God for green chili cheeseburgers. Now here's the thing. It's difficult. It's difficult for both of us to conclude that we both could be right even with our differences and within our differences. One way there's going to be trouble is because there will be moments when you are both right. It's a preference issue, not a moral issue. You're both right. Neither one of you are morally wrong in this. Now, there's something known as the 80-20 rule. And today, the big idea is the 80-20 rule. What does that look like? How does that unpack in our lives? It's kind of an arbitrary percentage that based upon research in churches, business, and economics, we have discovered that there is really something known as this 80-20 or thereabouts. Really, an Italian economist noticed that in Italy, about 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the people. He also noticed that 80% of the peas in his garden came from 20% of his pea plants. Now, obviously, he's not from West Texas because we are a lot better farmers than that. But he did come up with something through his studies, and other people have poured into this as well. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people in the church, generally speaking. 80% of sales come from 20% of your salespeople. 80% of your complaints come from 20% of your customers. There's some truth in this. The 80-20 rule is a rule of thumb, and there are always exceptions, but it paints a picture for us when it comes to marriage. 80% of marriage will be great, and 20% of the time, you're going to have trouble. Some of you say, well, I got that flipped around backwards. (laughs) I mean, 80% of the time, I've got trouble. I'm married trouble. Here comes T-R-O-U-B-L-E. And it's coming right for me. Stay with me. See, they begin to believe that their spouse really doesn't care about them because all they choose to see is the 20% that doesn't meet their needs or their expectations. The wife begins to feel unloved and the husband begins to feel disrespected. Now, if you've been here over the last two weeks, I talked about there are innate traits that God has placed within us. Women, You need to be loved. This is why the Apostle Paul reminds us time and time again that men, you are to love your wives. And this is why he also says that men have an innate trait that needs to be and feel respected. It's just in you. You want a cheerleader. And that's okay. Remember that that, that's, that's how God designed us. And that's an innate trait within us. 
And here's what happens. If the wife feels unloved and the husband feels disrespected, because wives, you are to respect your husbands, as under the Lord, Ephesians 5, right? And so, so what happens here is that we, we start focusing on the 20% instead of the 80%. Those Tuesday night moments can leaven the 80% if you don't do the dance well. Sex is a symptom, just like money is a symptom. It's not the root of the problem. The issue is the lack of love and respect during conflict. So I'm going to encourage you today, church, to enjoy the 80 and learn to embrace the 20. Enjoy the 80%, learn to embrace the 20. Ecclesiastes 9, 9. Now let's talk about Solomon here writing this. I love this about Solomon because if you know anything about him, he always wants you to reflect upon the time of your life. This is Solomon. You know this because Solomon's the one that says there is a time for what? Everything. There's a time to laugh and a time to what? Mourn. I mean, Solomon always puts a time to something. So look at the scripture closely. This is what he says. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life. He puts a time to it. You know, it's a lot easier to love someone if you have a goal, if you have a goal line to cross with that person. I put in weddings all the time. I say this, that you will truthfully be able to say to her, 50 years from now, I love you more now than when we were first married. And, and, and the same thing to the wife, that you will truthfully be able to say to him, 50 years from now, I love you more now than when we were first married. That means that when you got married, you had a goal in mind whether it be 50, 60, 70 years, hopefully it's for the rest of your life. Forsaking all others as long as we both shall live, this is my solemn vow to you. You see, when you put a time to life, what you'll find out is life is fleeting. Solomon's saying there's going to come a time where you're going to reflect back and realize that life went went by a lot faster than I ever thought. Did you know that life speeds up the older you get. Now, now some of you, I, I remember a librarian, Mrs. Bell, in high school. I drove her crazy. I like to, to shoot paper clips with rubber band in the library at a hornet's nest that we had up because we were the two horn. Anyway, Miss Bell, it drove her crazy. And Miss Bell, one time she told me, she said, young man, I just want you to remember something. I'm an old lady today, but I haven't always been. And it happened like that. And for some reason, that really stuck to me. It made me realize that life really does have a time frame on it. James says life is but a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's, it's very, very quick. And when we understand that it's quickly going by, then we will do our best to make the most of what we have. When you realize there really is an end zone and I want to get there, we will do the very best we can with the day that we're given today. Now, when I said it speeds up, let me tell you why it speeds up. Some of you will get this, others of you won't. When you are young, one year, let's say you're five years old, 
And you have, y'all, y'all know the graph, the pie graph, right? Everybody get that? Let me help you. If you have a pecan pie and you cut it up into five slices, that's like you're five years old. Now, in that pie, one piece is one-fifth of that pie. So a child that is five years old, when they live one year, or a child that is four years old going into their fifth year, when they live one year, it's one-fifth of their life. When you're 50, it's one-fiftieth of your life. It becomes a smaller piece of pie. Therefore, life really does speed up. Does that make sense? It should scare you to death. But don't focus on the 20%. Just focus on the 80 with me. We're talking about the life that we have, and it is fleeting. And so Solomon says, enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given you to, given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. So Solomon begins by telling us that life is short and death is inevitable, so enjoy life with a woman you love. Ladies, how about you enjoy the life with a man that you love? Hopefully that's the one you're married to. I don't think it should be anyone else. Look, Eve had paradise, but she wanted more. She focused on what she didn't have instead of what she had in the garden. Women have to guard themselves against idealistic ideas like what you read in romance novels or what you've seen on TV. Snow White had the seven dwarves. Like I said last week, those were all men. I'm not going to go down that road. Hang on a second. Frozen 2 is about to come out. And it's an idealistic picture to young minds of possibly what romance could be or could become. Be careful with those because Eve had a paradise and she kept focusing on something else. When asked for advice for women contemplating marriage, Mrs. Billy Graham said this, marry somebody to whom you are willing to adjust. Elizabeth Elliot said this in her book, Let Me Be a Woman, because I love reading those books. Are y'all staying with me? I mean, who picks up? What man picks up a book, Let Me Be a Woman? Now, don't go down to my office right now. But she said these words. If you are a very generous wife, you may perhaps allow that your husband lives up to 80% of your expectations. The other 20% you may want to change. You may, if you choose, pick away at the 20% for the rest of your married life and you probably will not reduce it by very much. Or you may choose to skip that and simply enjoy the 80% that is what you hoped for. Solomon says in Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Now, that sounds like a, a crazy scripture, but I started out with this crazy scripture. And what he's saying is that there are these little foxes that run around. Have you ever heard? I don't know if I should share. You know, they would catch all the little foxes and do what with them? They'd light their tails on fire. 
douse them and send them through the villages to burn down the villages. And, and so he's saying, hey, all these little things, that, that you got to let the small things go. 80% grows when you let the 20% go. If you try to chip away at the 20%, it becomes your focus and begins to order your life. And in fact, it will grow in your eyes. And the 20% becomes the 30% and the 40% and the 50%. And then you're like, I can't stay married to this person. You know, sailors prepare for storms before going out into the open sea so they don't freak out when a storm comes. They don't necessarily like the storm, but they're not jumping ship. In marriage, there will be storms, so prepare for them now and don't freak out. When a storm comes, you may get seasick, but don't jump ship. It's similar to what I taught five, six, seven weeks ago, how Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Now, they encountered a storm. He didn't say anything about the storms. He fell asleep in the stern of the ship because his word is true. We were singing a song a while ago. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Some of you will kick back on that. You'll say, oh, that's a name it, claim it theology. What in the world? No, it didn't say all your promises are yes and amen. If God does not keep his promises, he's not a God of his word. And his word is where we have to base our marriages upon. And when we do, the 80% becomes the 90%. The 95, the 98 the 100%. See, I like to think about Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have participated in an 80-20 rule. He understands we're broken vessels, but he wasn't. He gave all so that we might have all. In our own broken lives, though, we have to be careful. So, as we unpack this, let's, let's look at something real quick, and I'm going to move us quickly through this. Every week I've talked about a crazy cycle, an energizing cycle, and a rewarded cycle. And I'm going to close with these. The crazy cycle. If you focus on the 20% that your spouse, or look, you can apply this to your friendships. You can apply this. Isn't it interesting? Look, if I compare myself to you, I always win because I compare my strengths to your weaknesses. That's just how it works. And we do this all the time. Unfortunately, we live in a comparison time generationally we're always comparing ourselves it used to be the joneses and 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 now it's almost with everyone you don't have to be named jones Uh, we just compare ourselves with a neighbor we compare ourselves with a person sitting next to us we compare ourselves with with people at school with us and, and we're sitting down and what happens is we compare our strengths with their weaknesses we see their 20 percent and this bust relationships up instead of encouraging those and their 80 percent Oh, you do this really, really well. This is where I, what I love about coaches. A great coach will call the champion out of anyone. No matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how sad, a great coach will say, you know, even if they can't run, even if they have pest planus, you don't even know what that is, duck feet. He doesn't, he doesn't bring up the duck feet. He says those are probably made for swimming. Let's give that a whirl. You know, you're probably not going to win the 100 meter with those. But he's always looking to call out the champion in them. Now, here's the thing. You can be angry with one another, but learn not to sin in your anger. Jesus doesn't want us to sin in our anger. The quickest way to get off the crazy cycle is this. Take time to pause, take time to ponder, and take time to pray. As we've said that for years throughout Harvest, but I want that to be embedded within us. 
When we take time to pause, ponder, and pray, then look, we won't hurt them in word or in deed. And that should be our goal. The crazy cycle moments, listen, they're going to show up. You know that. Be careful because you'll wind up focusing on the 20% and you'll take yourself way too serious. And the 20% can, can become the 80%. Learn to lighten up. When we have troubles, we're troubled by the fact that we're having these troubles and then we cause more trouble. We're not endorsing sin, but even Peter says that love covers a multitude of sin. So in that crazy moment, take time to pause, ponder, and pray, and then do this. Learn to love, because love covers a multitude of sin. Love will also take us to the 80% instead of just sitting there looking at the 20%. And if we can laugh at it afterwards, then why can't we start laughing when it happens? You ever been in that argument? And then all of a sudden, somebody real smart in there says, what were we, what started this? I mean, I'm really angry, I'm really mad, but I don't even remember why we started. Right? And then you, you begin to laugh about it. Look, life is short. Learn to pour into the 80. And as you pour into the 80, they get better and better and better. The champion begins to come out in them. The energizing cycle the energizing cycle when we talk about the 80-20 is a little bit different. Of course, love and respect is a principle. It's not necessarily a promise. All of us need it, but it's a principle that we have to learn to live out. It doesn't mean that if you put this into practice that your spouse is going to respond appropriately. 20% of the time, the energizing cycle may not work. 20% of the time. Look, when a husband loses his job, women... Listen to me, when a husband loses his job, that's a hard thing to deal with, especially since God created Adam to work. The wife may, may move towards him with a lot of respect. I mean, a lot of respect. She may be pouring herself into him, and he simply remains unresponsive. Wives, stay the course. He'll eventually turn the corner. You'll win him by your good behavior. He'll know that he is respected and loved, but it is a difficult time for him. Husbands, the same thing can happen to you in the energizing cycle. The wife has a miscarriage. It's a hard thing to deal with. We've dealt with it a couple of times ourselves along with a, a stillbirth. How I, how I worked through that was different in how Allison worked through that. Right? It's a hard thing. The husband may move towards her with a lot of love and she may not respond. And it's then, husbands, where you have to remind yourself, I'm in love with this woman and I'm going to focus on the 80, what called us together. The husband may move towards her with a lot of love and she may not respond, but husbands, stay the course. She'll eventually turn the corner. And finally, we get to this rewarded cycle. Look, 20% of the time, you may have unanswered questions of Jesus. That's, that's reality. In the pastor's class today, we're going to talk about this just a little bit. 20% of the time, maybe more than that, you may wonder, where is God? Why am I going through all of this suffering? Why did this happen? Why did my child choose to make those decisions? I didn't see that coming into our path, into this road. Why did my child die of cancer? Why did my husband die in a car accident? I can remember sitting with a woman out of her, her husband was in Mexico. They were both in Mexico, had a horrific car accident and he was killed. And I remember her just asking those questions. Why? I've sat with so many 
people who have focused on the 20%. 20% of the time, that, that, that's true. Jesus said in this life you will have troubles. He didn't say you might. Troubles will come. And there will be times in life that you're going to have unanswered questions. And here's where we have to land. Will I trust Jesus and what I do know about him? Will I trust his word when he promises to carry me to the other side? Or will I distrust Jesus in light of my unanswered question? You see, sometimes in the rewarded cycle, you may be walking in your golden years and you are sideswiped and said, Lord, I did not plan for that. And he said, yeah, you did. Look at all the time you spent with me in, in the word. 80% of you is filled up. And those 20%, that 20% right now that is leaving questions, if you'll stay the course, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to continue to pour into you because I am living water. Pouring into you to overflowing out into others. And watch, your testimony is going to be so powerful that they will know that I am Lord because of this. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. God is faithful. His word says He will never leave us nor forsake us. Regardless if you're on the crazy cycle or in the rewarded cycle, He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So church, I want to encourage you to enjoy the 80. Enjoy the 80 and learn to embrace the 20. Sometimes it's that 20% that just makes it so rich, so good. Questions are answered sometimes in that 20% that would have never been answered in your faith had it not happened. Remember that. Stay the course. And in doing so, time is short. Make the most of it.